Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously. So, just don't. The founder of the Church of Satan, a cartoonishly evil-looking man, Anton LaVey, is the subject of our show today. He terrified many in the U.S. throughout the second half of the 20th century, my own mother and grandmother included. To many God-fearing Christian Americans, he was at the top of an evil cabal hell-bent on the destruction of not just Christianity or Christian values, but on the destruction of Christ himself. The public nature of his church, the popularity of death metal, and the strange wave of crimes in the 80s created one of the wildest social phenomena in the past century, Satanic Panic, a period when many in the country thought that there was an active conspiracy by Satanists to kidnap, abuse, and sacrifice children in the name of the Dark Lord. Was LeVay evil to his core, his pale skin, bald head, pointy ears, and pitch black goatee betraying his innermost darkness? Was he a powerful black magician, capable of casting spells that actually and directly led to the deaths of people? Or was he merely a costume con man, a horny nerd who, as he grew up, developed an ability to weave stories to great effect, adopted a flair for lazy philosophy, and maintained a deep-seated desire to always stir things up? Will the reality of Anton LeVay frighten you to the core, make you burst out laughing, or just leave you scratching your head. Find out today on this latest episode of Asshole Court. All right, guys, so preliminary scores. Um, do you guys know anything about Anton LaVey? I know it's a very strange subject. So doing a little bit of research, you know, you, you find out about it that we're going to dive into. But, but growing up as a kid, obviously, you know about the Church of Satan. You yeah. Know, and it, it's just something you definitely don't want to get wrapped up in or that's what you're all taught is, you know, stay away from Satan and all that kind of shit. And where we grew up, there was a place not too far from our houses where apparent devil worshipers would yeah. do seances, right? Yeah. And I don't know if it was like local legend or whatever, but we'd go out there and there's spray paint and anarchy symbols mm-hmm. and just oh, kind of yeah. crazy shit spray painted everywhere. And it was fucking creepy. Yeah, it was agreed. it was weird to go out there and do it. Uh but you gotta think being the head of the Church of Satan, which is like, I don't know, about as hard in the paint as you can go and you talk about <laughs> evil and dark and all that shit. Um, he did have some some background noise that, uh, like you said, the satanic panic. I knew yeah. a little bit about that. That was very real for like you're talking about as a, as kids and growing up in the late 80s, early 90s. Like there was a place over by my neighborhood where there was a pentagram and we thought that they were burning things yeah. and it was mm-hmm. it felt very fucking real. Yeah. Very scary. Oh, yeah. It was almost like you could feel the air around there just felt different. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Not a place you wanted to be. So with all that uh, we just talked about, my pre-show score for Anton LaVey is going to be a 7.5. Okay, buddy. All right, so uh, for me, 
I've heard of the Church of Satan, but I've never heard of Anton before. Mm -hmm. Growing up, you know, I grew up all with you guys, but I grew up with a Brazilian Catholic mother, mm -hmm. also first generation in the States, Brazilian. So my mom never let us get into anything like that. She was just like, that's bad. And we right. never had any kind of access to it. So, right. I mean, like right. growing up, it was like. <laughs> Once I started meeting you guys, I was like, oh, what's what else is there in the world besides this very sheltered? Oh, thanks. You know. Makes me feel like I was a good influence on yeah. you. <laughs> hey, check out this cool church of Satan, man. <laughs> Don't listen to what your mom says. Let's kill this cat. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I really didn't know anything about Anton LaVey or his church yeah. really coming up to this except for, you know, the name. But I ne I've never done any research on it. OK. So I know nothing about him. But I got to uh, imagine that the guy who is the leader of the church of Satan Probably has done a thing or two that, you know, the Pope hasn't done, per se. Mm -hmm. yeah, so um, mm -hmm. my pre-show asshole score for Anton LaVey is going to be kind of high. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give him a 7.0 off okay. the jump. All right. And uh, as some of our listeners know, I grew up in a very religious background very early on. So I was fucking terrified of the Church of Satan. And I had seen pictures of this guy. And that's all you need to see as a yep. kid. Like, I don't know anything about this guy, but my mom and my, my, my parents, my grandmother was like, this guy is the devil incarnate. Like, we were raised to think there was legitimately like spiritual warfare going on. And this guy was obviously like General Robert E. Lee of the devil side, you know? <laughs> like his minions were the people that were moving the Ouija board around. Oh, yeah. His, this guy was a, a top planner, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... Obviously, I chose to do the show just because it's an interesting story anyways. But I'll say when I was young, I was terrified of this guy. I would also rank him very high at that point. So I would have given him, yeah, probably 7.5. I, You know, it's tough because I maybe would have given him an 11 if you asked seven-year-old me. <laughs> <laughs> but we're just going to run with that for now. And that puts our uh, preliminary score. So with a 7.5 from Randy, a 7.0 from Buddy, and a 7.5 from Mikey, Anton LaVey's pre-show asshole score is a 7.3 repeating. All right. You guys yeah. ready to do it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Anton Xander LaVey is born to Joseph and Augusta LaVey on April 11th, 1930, in a spooky little enclave known as Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> now, the truth, according to others and to public record, is that Anton LaVey was actually born with a much less creepy sounding name. It was actually Howard Stanton Levy. Hmm. Oh, so Anton LaVey is his stage name. Correct. And his parents' names were actually Michael and Gertrude Levy. I wonder what his mom's stage name was. Gertrudian? I don't know. Gertie. Dar Gertie. <laughs> Dirty Gertie on stage two. <laughs> uh, nice. LaVey claimed he was introduced to the dark side very early by his Transylvanian gypsy grandmother, who regaled him as a child with supernatural folklore and tales of vampires and werewolves. But... According to others, LeVay's grandmother was not Transylvanian nor of gypsy stock at all. She was actually Ukrainian, and LeVay had no gypsy ancestry. Hmm. Huh. Very early in his life, his family packs up and moves to the true land of darkness and evil, San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> LeVay said that his parents were very normal, though. They weren't dark or particularly interested in the occult or religion at all, for that matter. His surrounding family was fairly normal as well. He had an aunt who was a Christian scientist and an atheist uncle. Uh, and he said they were very concerned about their appearance in the community. Like his parents wanted to seem like the model citizens. You're doing the Sounding right thing. Like, like right. your standard middle class or upper middle class family. Yeah, pretty much, man. But San Francisco in the 60s, I mean, that was yeah, well, that's for the thing. hippies. So in San Francisco in the 60s is everybody has this idea that the entire city was like Haight-Ashbury. <laughs> but it was a very small thing. And San Francisco was a almost a working class city. 
back then. Very moderate, obviously a huge Asian influence and stuff like that. But it's not the San Francisco of what you see, like Grateful Dead concerts and stuff like that, nor is it the now Silicon Valley, uh, super rich tech sector place. It was just the biggest city in Northern California. So Full House lied to me. Yeah, I mean, I remember the one where Danny Tanner dropped acid and then made a computer program. So that's <laughs> that's that, that actually didn't happen. But it, it is funny because you're looking at that and like in the late 80s, like, yeah, you're like, OK, someone could afford one of those homes. There's no fucking way in hell. Not that you a know. Now, right? Even like the one bedroom, one bath are now like oh. 1.2 million or something Easily, like that. Dude. Are they the the median house cost in the city of San Francisco is over a million dollars. Yes. Yep. Yes. You just can't live there, really, unless you have a lot of money, man. His childhood being fairly normal, the only real problem that LeVay said that he faced was that he was a pretty ugly kid, uh, and he also wasn't particularly athletic. So he added that he was so stigmatized by the thought of having to go to a gym with the other students that he managed to get a daughter's excuse to avoid it, opting instead to spend gym periods in the school clinic, ogling the school nurse. You got to come up with something else if you are an ugly, unathletic kid, because, yeah, yeah, if you're ugly, that's one thing. If you're a good football or baseball player, you can kind of make up for it, but... If you're, yeah, if you don't have any of those redeeming qualities, uh, this might be a little tough for you. It has got, oh, yeah. got to be a little tough. Man. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And he uh, said that he was born with a tail that had to be removed around the age of 13 or 14. So that may explain his apprehensiveness to change in the locker room in school or, again, support his penchant for extravagant lies. I'm going to go with <laughs> lie here. But, uh, you know. Yeah, he said he had a tail and that he uh, actually when he was 13 or 14, he injured it and that they finally decided it was time to cut it off. This is around World War II, and he said that when they cut it off, it being World War II and them rationing things like anesthetic, uh, he had to do it just raw dog, basically. <laughs> so instead of his dad taking him to the veterinarian to have his tail removed, they had to do it at home. No, no, they went to the doctor oh. and removed his tail. There's no anesthesia. They just... There's no anesthesia. So, yeah, he bit on a pillow, and they <laughs> tore his tail out of his ass. But, uh, you know, like you're talking about, so LeVay has to find something that is his. He's not attractive. He's not good at sports. Well, he chose music. Yep. Uh, okay. And uh, it was around the age of five that he says he and his mother walked into a music store and spontaneously he played a pretty decent tune on a harp that was standing there. So she was impressed. They got him into music lessons. And soon after that, he was studying uh, violin, then the drums, and then the oboe. Mm. Mm. According to LeVay, by the young age of 15, he was good enough at the oboe to actually play second chair with the San Francisco Ballet Orchestra. He was a snake charmer on the side in the streets of San Francisco. (laughs) Uh, But that's actually a lie, too, because according to the San Francisco Performing Arts Library, no such orchestra even existed at that time. The ballet actually employed the local symphony for its performances, and there was no record of either a levee or a levee playing oboe with them at all. (laughs) Starting to see a little bit of a trend here. Yeah, a bit of a pattern. Mm Mm-hmm. He's a terrifying liar. Uh, In the spring of 1947, LaVey said that he got in some trouble with the law. So he ran away from home and he joined the Clyde Beatty Circus as a roustabout, which is basically like a guy that just does whatever is asked of him, like a gopher. They're like, LaVey, get me some coffee. LaVey, get some beard oil for Betty the Bearded. LaVey, fight the strong man for our amusement. (laughs) Remember in Joe Dirt when he worked at the uh, the local mm-hmm. circus? That's where he met his sister, Jamie Presley. That's right. Yeah, you're my sister. You're my sister. Yeah, you're my sister. <laughs> Dude, carnies are fucking terrifying. <laughs> they man. are weird. You have to be a very special type of person to get into that game because either you want to do that, which means you have a very strange like view of the world, or 
you did something so bad that it's like the only job you can get. Yep. Yeah, right. Uh, so all the either that <laughs> or a person who takes care of tigers. Yeah, there's a, like I said, a repo man, <laughs> and you know, I mean, I would say like anybody that's listening to our show, you know, that works at a carnival. I'm sorry, but actually, I realized that carnies aren't smart enough to operate smartphones uh, with. The- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. And kidding. we just lost three listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Please don't kill me. <laughs> You're a bunch of fucking terrifying drifters. Uh, all right. So uh, shortly after being aroused about, he claimed he was promoted to a lion tamer, saying that he was handling eight Nubian lions and four Bengal tigers in one cage at any given time. Oh, really? Twelve yeah. tigers in one cage. Just him? Well, no, no. Four tigers, eight lions, 12 big cats. 12 big cats. Yeah. It's reasonable. Sure. Okay. Someone has to do it. He would tame them with the oboe. Well, actually, that's what. So he said that he learned some elemental lessons in magic upon being knocked to the ground one time and finding himself on his back with the hot breath of a lion in his face, saying, "You have just one defense left: willpower. Any good cat trainer has to learn how to use it, how to charge himself full of adrenaline to send out gamma rays to penetrate the brain of the cat." I guess oh, Roy Jesus. never took him up on uh, those lessons. He should have, right? Yeah, that dude just died yeah. to R.I.P. Siegfried or Roy. Was, one of, one Roy, of them died. I think he died. Yeah, yeah. Montecore, the tiger. Good help, Montecore. <laughs> oh, man, he got torn apart by a cat on stage. Yep. Oh. Can you imagine? You're all excited. You're in Vegas. You're like, I got tickets to the show at Siegfried This is my Roy. one trip to Vegas. You know? Yeah, you're fucking drunk as shit because you're just like, it's Vegas. And then this guy gets his dick torn off. <laughs> This is a crazy show. Yeah. I, I, he was on his way out in the ambulance. I'd be like, please autograph this ticket for me, man. <laughs> so LeVay also claims that one day the Calliope player, Fred Mullen, got so drunk that he could no longer play for uh, the circus, right? That day, I guess. Uh, with no one to turn to, the circus master enlisted LeVay, who, as we noted earlier, was a self-proclaimed musical prodigy. And according to him, he played the William Tell Overture to such crowd enthusiasm that they basically took Mullen's job away permanently and gave it to LeVay. So let's think about the story here. It's the story you always hear about someone doing something and like the entire room applauds. Like, have you ever been to a circus? Oh, yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever really paid attention to the music in the background aside from it just being like the soundtrack to watching people do weird ass shit not is not. there ever a possible moment where you would be like god damn this dude is killing that organ <laughs> stop the circus stop it hey 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 spotlight on the musician he said put all those clowns back in that tiny car i want to know who's playing the william tell over is that what that is <laughs> is that what that is god damn it moved me to tears so again total horseshit has to be right also beyond that there was a they did some fact checking and according to the Circus World Museum which is in Baraboo Wisconsin it actually has the 1947 route books for the Beatty Circus and there was no one named LeVay or Levy listed that actually even worked for the circus at all and many of the acts because Anton LeVay at one point claimed that he was also started playing the backup for super famous circus acts like the Flying Willendas and stuff like that uh, which, you know, if you're really, like I said, you're a carny, any of the carnies listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> but these are like really big trapeze artist acts. And he said that he played for them and they didn't even belong to that circus. They were they were with <laughs> Ringling Brothers. So this was all pre-internet and he was getting away with it, I guess. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. In the late 40s and early 50s, LeVay actually started playing the Hammond organ at, uh, at the carnival. It was like a separate carnival or whatever. And he learned to tell fortunes. He said, I got to rub elbows with human oddities, freaks, dancers, showgirls who wanted to be stars. 
It was a chance to meet people who were really marginal. And it was at this time that LaVey claimed that he had an epiphany. See, because at night he would play the organ for rowdy strip teases. They would actually do, you know, you'd show up into town, set up your circus or whatever, and then you had like entertainment at night. That's when the adults came out and stuff like that. And you would play and there would be like strip teases and stuff. The X-rated circus. Exactly. But in the mornings, like he said that he would get extra work playing the organ at like churches or like church revivals. Mm-hmm. And he said that he noticed that all the people that were showing up to the strip teases at night were also showing up the next morning, you know, to the church. Huh. Still happens to this day. It does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he said that he noticed that every Sunday morning was full of the supposedly pious churchgoers that he had seen the night before at the body burlesque setups. He said, quote, I'd seen the same goddamn faces that had been ogling the half-naked girls at the carnival the night before. I knew then that the Christian church thrives on hypocrisy and that man's carnal nature will win out no matter how much it is purged or scourged by any white light religion. Hmm. So, well, it's not just Christianity, I would believe, too. It's, mm. it's people, man. Well, it's yeah, people in general. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's been going on for centuries at this point. Yeah. You know, yeah. many right? centuries. Yeah. Thousands of years. Yeah. yeah. Probably in the caveman days, they had their caveman religion. Some mm-hmm. guy got done banging out eight cave girls and then felt bad about it and went and worshipped his rock og. <laughs> I sorry, og. I'm sorry, I og. need to chisel bird in cave. <laughs> Make up for it. Make me better man, og. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's also at this time that LeVay claimed to have his first brush with greatness. In the winter of 1948, that was actually the off-season for the carnival. So, you know, a lot of times you'd have some off time you had to find other work to do and he was down in los angeles and to supplement his income he started playing the organ at burlesque houses in southern california all throughout los angeles okay one of these was called the mayan and this is where he claims to have met marilyn monroe he said that marilyn at this time was down on her luck and was stripping for money this is before she was famous okay he said the two hit it off and uh levey would play the organ while she stripped he would play numbers like the slow boat to china and harlem nocturne while Monroe slowly stripped. Those slow, sexy organ yes. strip scenes? Yeah, yeah, like Gilligan's Island, all those shows back in the day when they had like the strip club scene where the chick had the really long gloves and would slowly uh-huh. come out from behind the feather boas. Ginger was hot. Ginger was hot. Ginger Mary was Ann, hot. I was more of a Mary Ann guy, though. Yeah. She was a little more buttoned up. Yeah, she was more girl next door, a little more accessible. Question, though, which organ was... Uh... LeVay playing while Marilyn Monroe was up there stripping on stage. He was playing both. He played with one hand the Wurlitzer and the other hand he played the skin Yeah, the the hand organ. Seems like he's only catching the low notes on this one. (laughs) (laughs) But now LeVay says it wasn't long before they became lovers. He said, she did have a strange fascination with the dark side. I've tried to retrace all the places we stayed, like the Fleabag Motel on Washington Boulevard, where we lived together, the whole West Adams section of L.A., where we drove around in Marilyn's Pontiac. The affair lasted only a couple of weeks, though, and right around that time, Marilyn got her break in Hollywood, and LeVay drifted back to San Francisco. Oh, of course. I smell a bullshit. A story as old as time. Fact check time. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I smell bullshit. The owner of the Mayan was a guy named Paul Valentine. And he claims that Marilyn was never a dancer there. And on top of that, the Mayan wasn't even a burlesque house. It was like for legitimate theater. Hmm. Oh. So, dude didn't work there. <laughs> Marilyn was never a stripper there. He didn't fuck her. 
There you go. Man, this guy is just lie after lie after lie yeah. after lie. Yeah. Let's go start the Church of Satan. Well, we're getting into all this. Quick, before your boss walks by and you have to minimize your screen, give us a quick follow on Twitter and Instagram and give us a like on Facebook. Your support is much appreciated. Now, back to the action. Around 1950, LeVay met a tiny teenage blonde named Carol Lansing. They married a year later, even though Carol was only 15. Icky now, for sure, uh, but I suppose it was a bit more common back then. He was 20, she was 15. She probably had parental permission. It's just possible. I'm sure he said that she did. Yeah, I'm sure they... I just can't... That was so what normal year? back then. 1950. See, I always think of that stuff like Civil War yeah. era. But like, people were getting, getting married. Little... Yeah, it's true. It's still fucking crazy no matter yeah. which way you, you deal with it, but it was definitely more common back then. Oh, for sure. Yeah, of um, so, you know, there you go. Korean War is in full swing then, and in order for him to evade the draft, LeVay signed up to study criminology at San Francisco City College. In 1952, his first daughter, Carla, was born. And considering that he was already in school for criminology, he opted to take a job as a crime scene photographer for the SFPD. He's probably into that shit. I could see that. Yeah. He says that he actually sees the worst of humanity here. Murder scenes, car accidents, suicides. And according to him, it's during this time that he has another epiphany. He says, quote, There is no God. There is no supreme, all-powerful deity in the heavens that cares about the lives of human beings. There's nobody up there who gives a shit. Man must be taught to answer to himself and other men for his actions. Fact check time. Yeah. (laughs) According to the SFPD, they never employed anybody by the name of Howard Levy or Anton LaVey. Additionally, the City College does not have a record of his enrollment. Jesus Christ, this guy wouldn't stand like 10 minutes in today's society, but I mean, back in the 50s. Question is, what the hell was he doing? You know what I mean? Like, if he didn't work for the circus and didn't work for the San Francisco Police Department... It's like a fucking seven or eight year span we're talking yeah. about. He just like playing the skin flute. There you go. Just, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Living in the, his parents' basement, thinking of all these grand stories he's going to tell everybody. Yeah. It is interesting. I mean, that's if someone really wants to fact check somebody at this time, it's much more difficult. Can oh, be for done. Sure. But back then, you sort of had to take people for their word. You could get a sense of like, this person's bullshitting, but you couldn't call them on it immediately, pull your smartphone out and be like, you're full of shit, dude. Right. Yeah, no, it'd be like a two week turnaround while like you had to call those places, fact check yeah. it. You know, they're like, oh, we'll get back in touch with you once we check our records. Yeah, you know? I remember vividly, even in the late 90s, early 2000s, you would be hanging out, having beers with friends and arguing about sports stats and no one could prove it. You just sat there and were like, bullshit. I know for a fact that this dude's batting average was this. Yeah. And then Bullshit. I watched that season. I mean, every game. And that's not what it was. If you were lucky, someone could go pull something up out of a magazine or something like that. But you just had to. And then it would be a couple of weeks later. You would be like, I pulled it up. I brought the Sports Illustrated with me. You're full of shit. And by then, there was no emotion to it anymore. They were just like, yeah, you yeah, know, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But uh, so LeVay continues to play the organ at this time, saying that he was. Actually, the official organist of the city of San Francisco until 1966. He played the largest pipe organ west of Chicago in the Civic Auditorium when conventions were actually being held there. Uh, he played political functions, official city banquets, even basketball games. So Anton LaVey grinding it out on the organ for a fucking Golden State Warriors game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fact check time. 
There was actually no position as city organist in San Francisco. <laughs> Shocker. Surprise, surprise. Oh my God. I thought for sure that I could grow up and become the official organist for my <laughs> local city. Didn't happen. Uh, according to employees at the Civic Auditorium, they said there was, he didn't really play there much. And according to Carol LeVay's divorce proceedings in 1962, she said that her husband's sole income was a mere $29.91 per week, which is roughly 250 bucks in today's money. Derived from playing the Wurlitzer organ at the Lost Weekend nightclub and, quote, various infrequent affairs at the Civic Auditorium. So he did play there occasionally, but mostly he spent weekends playing at a place called the Lost Weekend nightclub. Yeah. Hmm. Averaging about $12,000 a year. Yeah. By today's money standards. Yeah, exactly. That's, you, you can't. It's, he's, not, he's not making a lot. <laughs> but what worked out for him was actually his work playing at the Lost Weekend nightclub netted him a number of interesting friends. Oh, yes. I've heard about this and uh, the parties that he used to throw afterwards. Yeah. These uh, included people like Kenneth Anger. Kenneth Anger was the author of the infamous 1959 muckraking book Hollywood Babylon that was eventually banned in the United States in 1965. What was it about? It told stories about celebrities at the time in Hollywood. And if you're unfamiliar with the work, I'll give you a couple of highlights. All right. One chapter claimed that Clara Bow, who is perhaps the most famous silent movie starlet ever, once fucked the entire USC football team, a young John Wayne included. What? Yeah. It also claimed that Mae West, another famous actress, of course. often had multiple lovers in single evenings, and that uh, Charlie Chaplin had multiple illegitimate children. Hmm. Wow. I always thought Greta Garbo was the most famous silent actress. She's the only one I ever know of. Well, she was in silent and in the, the talkies. But Clara Bow only did silent because actually when the transition occurred, her voice was bad. And so she, her career didn't carry uh, over. So she had a face for the camera. Yeah. She was like the opposite of a radio guy. Yes, exactly. She was beautiful. And then they were like, your voice is fucked up. But Clara Bow, he said that she took on the entire USC football team. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, now, the book itself is largely considered fabrication. Uh, yeah, it, of course. It doesn't seem to be accurate. Some of it may have been m mildly accurate, but he really you know, built on that. But either way, it was a big deal when it was first published, and that made Kenneth Anger like a relative star, and he liked hanging out with Anton LaVey. And LaVey and Anger and a number of other writers from Weird Tales magazine, mm -hmm. they formed a group of friends that would meet every Friday night at LaVey's house to discuss the occult. And they were called the Magic Circle. The group grew to include wealthy and influential people like a, a Danish baroness, Karen de Plessen, and Donald Werby, who was one of the wealthiest investors in San Francisco at the time. I heard that uh, Gavin Arthur, also a grandson of President Chester A. Arthur, would stop by. There and was a there number too. of people that were hanging out here. These were like the uh, important people of San Francisco. They were just interested, I think. And based on what we learned earlier, um, he had to be an honorary member of the Weird Tales Club, right? Weird Tales Magazine. That was around even when we there were kids, yeah. which was like, that was like, if you were a kid, you were like, if you read Fangoria and Weird Tales, we weren't hanging out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what those are. Yeah, yeah I don't even know what those are. They like, were like, like uh, kind of like Mad Libs. Also, it would be the like... equivalent of Sports Illustrated for people who loved horror movies. Okay. All right. It's kind of like... Um, Twilight Zone shit, you know. Okay. For Weird yeah. Tales was Twilight Zone. Fangoria was like, I, you love like horror Tales movies. from the Crypt and exactly. stuff like that. But the group also included tattoo artists, San Francisco police officers, and even a dildo manufacturer. <laughs> Soon enough, these weird meetings had become the talk of the town, and LeVay opened them up to the public. Admission price, $2.50. 
roughly twenty bucks nowadays. Okay, it's like movie ticket price. Rub elbows with uh, some Hollywood weirdos. Yeah, kind of pay money to hang out with um, interesting weird people. I guess you know people poured in from all over to hear Levey's lectures on things such as fortune telling and character analysis, or love potions and monkey glands. Hmm. I don't even know how to wrap my head around that. Yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, this isn't... Monkey glands? Yeah, sure. (laughs) All you, brother. It's strange. I thought this would be really... (laughs) A guy who loves golf and poker and uh, is the the oldest 39-year-old man alive, I thought for sure would be really into monkey glands. You know they like magic tricks and monkey glands? (laughs) Damn. Apparently, one evening, he gave a lecture on cannibalism and offered up a small portion of a human cadaver thigh for any takers. He'd apparently procured it from a doctor friend who had taken it during an autopsy. <laughs> so, oh, fucking serious? Fantastic. Yeah, that's what the rumor is. Again, but it's very hard to differentiate between what's true and what's not if you're uh, a guy that's intentionally trying to be shocking. And this is as shocking as it gets. And if people are uh, sort of fascinated by that sort of shocking behavior... It just ups your steez level. Yeah. Maybe sells more tickets. Yeah, sure. Maybe you get to show up and get a taste of that cadaver. How do you cook it? Or do you cook it? You eat it I raw? would hope you, you would fucking cook you it. braise it? Like a short rib? Do you they grill say, it like a chicken breast? Well, now, the the rumor is, it's in human meat, is they call it long pig because it huh. apparently tastes a lot more like pork. So maybe you'd want to, you know, just like shred it and then do like a barbecue sauce on it. Oh, like like the scene from sandwich. Fried Green yeah. Tomatoes. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's the best goddamn barbecue I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and it was that guy they killed. It was that guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So who knows, you know? I mean, I don't know. Pretty crazy thought, but uh, maybe it was delicious. Moving on. <laughs> and I guess who had to be the first taker, or if there were any, you know what I mean? Like yeah, Knowing this guy, it probably was like a, a pork butt roast. That he, <laughs> it was like a chicken heart or something yeah, like yeah. that. You know? He's like, oh, this is a guy named Steve who lived down the street from me. <laughs> and then his wife is like, it's actually a pork shank. <laughs> uh, LaVey is becoming a local celebrity at this point in San Francisco due to these talks. Uh, and also his work as a psychic investigator. Ooh. There was, this was a legitimate thing. Even back into the 80s and early 90s, like cop, like police departments were actually working with fucking psychics. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And mediums, psychic mediums. Yeah. We would see it on TV and yes. stuff like that. They were taking it seriously. And it just blows my mind how dumb people were just 50 years ago. Who did this murder? Hold on. Let's call up Miss Cleo. Yeah. Like, there was plenty of people like, uh, I can't remember her name, uh, Sylvia Brown that would call in. She did tons of work for different police departments. Never got shit right, except for this total just random luck of guessing, and she would still get work. Yeah. And if you then, have, but then a, a big article came out about her, right? About her being a sham and all that. That, and then she was on the Montel Williams show. Yes. And that lady was like, tell me what happened. She was like, I want to talk to my husband. He's dead. And she was like, I see him. He is in... He's in water. He drowned. And she was like, that's not true. She was like, it is, honey. I hate to, I hate to break this to you. And she was like, he died in 9-11. And, oh, <laughs> yeah. and then everybody was like, oh. oh. Yeah, I think that was pretty much the end of her television appearances. But if you have no soul and you don't mind playing people's emotions and stuff like that and just Profiting making up lies. people's emotions. It works very well. But yeah. the psychics nowadays, they got it so easy. You call in. What's your name? Facebook, Instagram, That's they true. see your profile. <laughs> yeah. mm, you have three kids. You recently went to the beach. Mm-hmm. You put a lot of live, love, laugh signs in your yeah. kitchen. Does you shouldn't sound- wear a bikini. <laughs> <laughs> How did she know that? You sound fat. <laughs> 
Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, like I said, he's becoming a super celebrity in San Francisco at this time. In addition to the talks and the psychic investigator work, he also has a habit of strolling the city streets with a black leopard that he named Zoltan. Oh, he is one of those crazy cat people, isn't he? Of course he is. Where does he sit on the crazy cat scale? How and... We'd have to create the scale first. Yeah. But he walked around with the black leopard, so, I mean, he's on that scale. He said he was a lion tamer. He's on the scale, but he's a goddamn liar. We've already determined that, so I don't know how hard he was, you know. It he was a did show. have a black uh, oh, leopard. Yeah, I'm sure That's he had sure. it, yeah. but it's all for show. Everything oh, is yeah, just yeah, a yeah. showman at this point, it's, you know. It's true. In 1966, LaVey is struck with a mission. The Age of Satan. On April 30th, he announces the beginning of the Age of Satan and declares himself the high priest of the church. Filing the paperwork to make Cal- the Church of Satan officially recognized as a legitimate religious institution in the state of California. Yay, for $300, he got bona fide. That's it, man. He shaves his head, a ritual performed in the tradition of the Yazidi, devil-worshipping tribes of Iraq, to mark the occasion. I wonder if he had a thinning hairline or he just decided that was the look he wanted to go for. Fact check time! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> The actual church was founded in the summer of 1966, not April 30th. See, the thing was, he was saying April 30th was like the most important day in the satanic church's calendar. Of course. But he didn't even found it then. It's got a weird name, doesn't it? Yeah, I couldn't even pronounce it. Some German name. Sounds very evil. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to even try to butcher that. Yeah, yeah, that's why I just kind of left it out. And besides, (laughs) it wasn't true anyways, so it doesn't fucking matter. And it was formed because a professional publicist named Edward Weber told LeVay that it was the best way to monetize his fame as San Francisco's most famous occult guy. Weber said, I knew he, quote, would never make any money by lecturing on Friday nights for donations. It would be better to form some sort of church and get a charter from the state of California. I told Anton at the time that the press was going to flip out over all this and that he would get a lot of notoriety. Oh, yeah. And the shaving his head and the Yazidi tradition thing? Nah. He did it on a dare from his second wife. And besides, Yazidi religious leaders don't even shave their heads. Yeah. Hmm. I heard he had lost a bet or something like that, and that's why he had to shave his head. <laughs> yeah. Might have been just going thin up top and decided to make the plunge. Yeah, and his wife was like, you look like shit, Anton. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's true. God damn just it. Just give it up. She's like, just give it up. Just give it up. Just go go in there right now and shave your head, or I will not fuck you tonight. He's like, some of the dark powers in me to shave my head and get over this embarrassment. Well, speaking of embarrassment, the very first time you ever shave your head, whether you go <laughs> yep. razor or just no guard, yep, uh, your head hasn't seen sun in a while. Very pasty. And uh, you guys all remember the movie, um, was the fucking guy with the shaved head's name? Powder. Powder. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So That's kind of what you look like. <laughs> go yeah. get a tan on that marshmallow ass. <laughs> yeah. I did that one time before an adult league soccer game. I like, will never forget that. Hours before the game. <laughs> you came I, out I, I and just, you were like, help me finish this job up. Because you hadn't just shaved your head. You actually had it gapped up in the back because you, <laughs> you couldn't reach it with the, uh-huh. with the fucking razors. So I helped you finish up. But what you couldn't see was the horror on my face <laughs> as it was like shaving Colonel Kurtz's head from Apocalypse Now. <laughs> trying to tell you, dude. I showed up to the game with like a beanie on and we're yeah. warming up and I took the beanie off and everybody's like, what oh. the fuck, man? I felt bad too because I, I knew going into it that wasn't the reaction that you were expecting. You were expecting everyone to be like, damn, dude, you look tough. What's up? <laughs> no, I knew once I shaved that shit and it was pale, pale white, I was like, oh, this is going to take some time. <laughs> damn it, man. But, okay, Edward Weber was right, though. The press did freak out and gave uh, LeVay tons of free publicity, and that sent his notoriety to the stratosphere. But what was especially helpful for Anton LeVay was a public satanic wedding that he ordained. 
And this was between a writer named John Raymond and a New York socialite named Judith Case, who were wed by LaVey in a hilariously odd ceremony with like a naked woman on an altar and a cloaked horn to LaVey waving a sword around. Oh, Jesus. Dressed up like the devil. Or, excuse That's me. Right. Oh, Satan. Oh, Satan. I mean, it's hilarious now. You can actually go find it on YouTube. But at the time, it was terrifying for middle America. Right? I'm sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. But they were also enthralled. Like, you you couldn't look away from it. They right. were like, oh, So when was this? 1966. Uh, is this in the, like, Charlie Manson murder times? That was 69. 69, yeah, okay. But it is in this sort of era. Where yeah, you have, and right yes. in that same area, too. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, this I is mean, up in San Francisco. Yeah, 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 you know. Anton LaVey was now a dark anti-star, reviled by most, but fascinating to many. And this included Hollywood starlet Jane Mansfield. Mm-hmm. She was hot. She was extremely hot. Now, a lot of our listeners might not be familiar with Jane Mansfield, but I promise you, she was a legitimate star in the 50s and 60s, and if you Google her, you will most likely recognize her immediately. See, I don't remember her right off the rip. There's one famous picture that she was that she's in, and there's another famous actress, I can't remember her name, and Jane Mansfield is leaning over, titties flopping out, like you can see nipple, and the other actress is looking at her like, what a fucking skank. <laughs> you have to see her, but yeah. She, oh yeah, I see that photo right now. Yep. She, yeah, she kind of has like a Marilyn Monroe. That's type exactly. Thing going on. In fact, that's what she was famous for was that she was sort of like a B movie Marilyn Monroe. So yes, uh, she was a huge star in the fifties and sixties. But by the mid sixties, her star was beginning to wane, and perhaps to get some press attention, or perhaps because she was genuinely curious, she began hanging out with the very devilish looking Levey, and even posed for a number of press photos with him. One in which she kneeled before him, offering him a chalice. Oh, yeah. LeVay claimed that she sought him out in order to put a curse on her husband, who she was then involved with in a custody dispute over her daughter. Mansfield had a manager slash lawyer slash agent named Sam Brody, and apparently Brody was in love with Mansfield as well, and was jealous of her relationship with LeVay. After an argument between the two men, LeVay allegedly cursed Brody, saying, quote, You are cursed by the devil. You will be killed within a year. Ooh. A few months later... On June 29, 1967, Mansfield and Brody were riding on US-90 near New Orleans when their driver rear-ended a tank truck that was spraying for mosquitoes. Brody and Mansfield were both killed instantly. So, LeVay claims that Mansfield was simply collateral damage in the curse. But of course, none of this was ever discussed until after she was dead. Of but course. yes. She is famous for another reason. Yeah, so it's called the Mansfield Bar. When you're driving behind a tractor-trailer... Uh, it's officially it's called the UCC bars, but it's essentially the bottom of the trailer and then those two metal bars. It prevents essentially cars from rolling up under them if you rear end of eighteen wheeler. Oh, uh huh. From going up under and it just shearing your head off. Yeah. yeah okay. So, yeah, they call it the Mansfield bar. So there's those two safety bars that you mm-hmm. run into and your bumper will hit it versus your head just getting yeah. sheared off oh, by the wow. back of a trailer. Because that was allegedly, named after her, right? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Allegedly, she was decapitated, but there's been varying arguments about whether that's true or not. She obviously was killed. But also, what's interesting, too, is that her daughter was in the car. Her daughter is a Mariska Haggerty, who is on the show, was it Law & Order SVU? Hmm. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. If you're enjoying Asshole Court, check out our new Fireside Chats. They're short, topical conversations about what's in the news or just what's on our minds that week. Download Fireside Chats in the same place you do Asshole Court. Let's get back to it. So, uh, at this point, LeVay is a national figure of notoriety, and the whole Jane Mansfield thing has really helped him out a lot. 
And just the thought of the Church of Satan causes many in the country to clutch their pearls. So let's talk about the Church of Satan for a second, shall let's we? Let's do it. Interestingly enough, LeVay didn't actually believe in a real Satan at all. And he certainly didn't worship Satan or encourage it. Well, yeah, he said he didn't believe in God, so there's no believing in Satan on the flip side of that coin. It. Yeah, exactly. Instead, the use of Satan was symbolic. It was an immediate platform from which to criticize Christianity and organize religion in general. LeVay embraced the iconography of Satan and the label of Satanist because it shocked people into thinking, and when asked about his religion, stated that, quote, the reason it's called Satanism is because it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that goes back to what I was kind of talking about in the intro, like the whole thought of Satan, church of Satan, devil worshipers, that kind of shit, it invokes fear in people. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You're going to get a reaction. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. And you prey on those fears, too. Mm -hmm. you yeah. Know, for monetary gain, for, yeah. you know. Just to get some attention. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Especially at this time. Yeah. Because now, this is before, like, death metal and stuff like that. When we were growing up in the 80s, I remember specifically being terrified of any metal band because I went to church and I thought that they were all legitimate devil worshipers and shit like that. But they're just selling records, dude. They're just like, yo, check this out. This shit's awesome. Yeah. And they wanted to have all these cool, and I mean, the pentagram kind of looks cool, you know? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's eye-catching. It is eye-catching, you know? So, but yeah, he said the image of Satan was, it was like a sign for like social nonconformity and rebellion. And we've all been there. It's kind of like uh, you might have played Rage Against the Machine loud in your room as a teenager with real thoughts of overthrowing the system and seizing the means of production. But now we're just content to get a good deal on a pair of khakis for your office wardrobe. <laughs> Our own little inner Zach De La Rocas That's would right. be very disappointed in us right it's now. It's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. However, LeVay's Satanism was on the opposite end of the spectrum, <laughs> surprisingly enough as the politics of Rage Against the Machine. Oh, yeah. okay. It would best be described as a kind of social Darwinist anarcho-capitalism. Really? Like, after all, he was somewhat inspired by the writings of Ayn Rand. <laughs> I read that. <laughs> it's yeah. true. It's so weird. It is strange. Yeah, for LeVay, the human being was explicitly viewed as an animal who thus has no purpose other than survival of the fittest and who therefore exists in an amoral context. So really, the Church of Satan is more akin to a nicer version of like a young libertarians club at a college rather than the horrifying and evil cabal in some Stephen King novel. For instance, check out some of the satanic rules of the earth. This ought to be good. If a guest in your home annoys you, treat him cruelly and without mercy. Okay, that's actually pretty on brand. Uh, <laughs> but here's another. When in another's home, show them respect or else do not go there. Do not tell your troubles to others unless you are sure they want to hear them. That's pretty oh, good. Okay. Do not give opinions or advice unless you are asked. Not many okay, people follow that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. like 50s like wife type stuff yeah. mentality. When walking in open territory, bother no one. If someone bothers you, ask him to stop. If he does not stop, destroy him. <laughs> <laughs> Love that one. Man, this is like a, almost like it's a mix in between the Cobra Kai dojo and mm -hmm. the Miyagi dojo. Yeah, I can you know see I mean? John Kreese being a Satanist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the last one. There's there's more of this, but I just picked out some ones that sort of caught my attention. Do not harm little children. Yeah, that's a real satanic rules of the earth. So much for the satanic panic and the alleged children's sacrifices of the 1980s. Do those death metal guys even read the satanic Bible? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't a fan of death metal either. No, not at all. In fact, he hated rock music yep. mostly 
he basically was saying like if the devil existed the music that he would listen to would be circus music <laughs> for real right like, well he's a musician of his own and he actually has stuff that's on spotify i went down and listened mm-hmm. to it huh. and uh like the number one most popular thing that's on spotify for him is like top five tracks and okay. it's off of a album called the satanic mass okay and the most popular song has about twenty thousand downloads but it's really just like him playing the organ yeah and just reciting a mass <laughs> yeah and just in a deep voice. Yeah, yeah it sounds like an evil clown. Yeah, that's yeah basically. It's like spoken falls upon your body. Spoken word over organ. What was that famous chanting group in like the early 90s? There was, okay, that actually, that shit's hilarious, right? That is the oldest, it's a Gregorian chant. Okay. But it's the oldest, I think, like written down piece of music that they could find, aside from one from the like Greece from like 2000 years ago. But what happened in the early 90s was they made that and then somebody was like, I'm going to drop a sick ass early 90s techno beat behind this. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. And they uh-huh. actually used it in uh, the fake trailer in. Um, what was the movie with Robert Downey Jr. where he played the black guy? Tropic Thunder. Tropic, Tropic Thunder. Thunder. Yeah. yeah. Remember he played the the white priest? I'm the black dude. No, he <laughs> played the black guy. But no, there was a fake trailer in that movie oh, where he was yeah, in the yeah, movie yeah, as, yeah, a, yeah. as a priest. Yeah, yeah, And they yeah. played that in the background because he was a gay priest with <laughs> Tobey Maguire. <laughs> okay. So let's actually talk about the satanic Bible itself, right? LeVay claims to have written it to fulfill his congregation's need for a guiding document. Fact check time. Like many things, the Satanic Bible was actually a cash grab by a third party. In this case, paperback publisher Avon Books. They approached him to capitalize on all the media frenzy surrounding his church in the late 60s. And funny enough, when the deadline approached and LeVay didn't have much to show for it, he just pulled together some obscure works like Might is Right, a political tract from 1896, and claimed the work as his own. Uh Of course. So he's a plagiarist too now. Yeah. Surprise, (laughs) surprise. Okay, but actually, all right, so then there also are the nine satanic sins. Okay. Stupidity is one. Oh, that's a good sin. Pretentiousness. Of course. Solipsism. The hell does that mean? Solipsism is a thing where you basically feel like you're the only person that exists. Oh, okay. Uh, and that Selfishness. It, basically, yes. Right. Self-deceit. Don't lie to yourself. Yeah. Herd conformity. Lack of perspective. Forgetfulness of past orthodoxies. Counterproductive pride. And lack of aesthetics. Very similar to the Bible. Well, it doesn't sound like too harsh. You know what I mean? No, it's, it's really not. Yeah, it's, yeah, not, it's like, not like tear your guts out yeah, and kill you the cats and yeah, shit. Yeah. It's really just kind of like, look, don't be an asshole. Be honest about who you are. You know, uh, don't be uh, a dick. It's pretty, I, like I said, some of these are pretty fucking reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, of course, there was some other like really weird shit too. Why not? Uh, like LaVey's thoughts on salad dressing. He thought that, quote, Dominant masculine archetypes, such as himself, of course, prefer sweet dressings like French, Russian, Thousand Island, whatever, because the smell resembles the odor of a woman's sexual organs. Blue cheese, on the other hand, is, quote, reminiscent of a locker room full of well-worn jock straps. It is suitable really only for wimps and submissive females. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Because, you know, when I'm, I'm biting a, into my salad, what I want to be tasting is like I'm biting into some yeah, budani. Well, yeah, you know? I, I'm by salad, Joel. <laughs> I love, I, I like sweet ones. I like Salty uh, ones. Yeah, ranch ones. I like just lemon juice sometimes if you go to the, get those little Thai salads or whatever it is. 
I don't know. It's I'm, a weird thought. I'm, I'm a, in the middle guy as well. Yeah. I like there. almost all salad dressings, to be yeah. honest with you. I thought you were going to say that salad dressing would make you a big pussy or something in his no. mind. You know, I would definitely be totally anti that thought. Because yeah, no. He's if just you saying, eat a salad with no salad dressing on oh. it, you're fucking weird. Yeah, I, I mean, people do it. Of, I know, I'll get a lot some of... some kind of vehicle to help along with the salad. Well, it's like people that eat sandwiches without condiments. I'm like, oh my God, how the hell do you get through that thing? It's so <laughs> it's dry. dry. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like eating a fucking, uh, one of those shitty-ass granola bars. Yeah, I can't. The, it's the, the nature's dry. own granola you bar. Milk, you gotta dip it in milk or something like that. I don't know. I but love no, he, nature's own granola bars. <laughs> Honey and oat, the green ones. Fucking sign me up. That's it. If you guys are yeah, looking, how many crumbs do you have at your feet after you finish one? It's worth it. Nature's own. If you guys want a sponsorship right now, we can drop this in in the middle of a Church of Satan show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the height of the church's power. LeVay claimed to have had tens of thousands of followers, claimed to be a millionaire with three homes in Northern California, a convent in Italy, a chateau in France, a fleet of luxury automobiles, a 185-foot yacht, three salvage ships, and some other property. I like the salvage ships. That's strange. Sounds it's like a pirate ship. Almost, yeah, he's like, I, yeah. I got a mansion, I got this, and he's like, and then I have like a tugboat. It's just <laughs> over there. It's just That's what real rich people own, a tugboat, so he can pull my yacht, I guess. It's in my pier. Yeah, that's it. Fact check time. <laughs> yes. None of this was actually true. Uh, defectors of the church claim membership was only in the hundreds. And LeVay owned one home, the infamous black house in San Francisco, that was actually bequeathed to him by his parents, uh, who he actually relied on financially up till their death. By old age, he was mostly dependent on California state aid. So much for that anarcho-capitalism survival of the fittest, huh? <laughs> sort of the same thing that actually happened to Ayn Rand, which always cracks me up, is that she ended up on Social Security. Really? Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. There you go. When the chips are down, you, you yeah. can't really live on philosophy alone. you got to have <laughs> someone to buy you that dog food to eat. <laughs> Towards the uh, end of his life, his lies were largely exposed by writer Lawrence Wright, who actually, Lawrence Wright did, he's uh, done a bunch of really great works, which is why I used his work on this one the most, because he wrote the book about Scientology, Going Clear. Okay. Uh, he's a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, journalist, but when he wrote this article in 1991 for Rolling Stone, he was not well known. Okay. And it actually exposed LeVay, and LeVay was not happy about it, but he didn't really fight back too much at this point. He was old. Uh, he simply told Wright, quote, I don't want the legend to disappear. There's a danger you will disenchant a lot of young people who use me as a role model. I'd rather have my background shrouded in mystery. Eventually, you want to be recognized for what you are now. But nobody should have been surprised by his exposure as a pathological liar. He himself admitted to as much in the book Satan Speaks. Quote, I'm one hell of a liar. Most of my adult life, I've been accused of being a charlatan, a phony, an imposter. I guess that makes me about as close to what the devil's supposed to be as anyone. It's true. I lie constantly incessantly because i lie so often i'd really be full of shit if i didn't keep my mouth shut and my bowels open oh wow anton levey died on october 29th 1997 in st mary's medical center in san francisco of pulmonary edema he was taken to st mary's catholic hospital <laughs> <laughs> because it was the closest available of course his friends put together a secret satanic funeral attended by invitation only and uh you know he was cremated to this day, he remains a controversial figure, even in his own church and family, with his own daughter, Zena, once a powerful figure in the church herself, largely rebuking him and calling him a liar. His own so, daughter called him out then, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Well, so he, he called himself out. He did. He knew yeah. what this yeah. was, man. Yeah. 
That's it. That's Anton LaVey, guys. Final scores. Fucking All right. Weird. I think I'm actually going to dial mine back a little bit. Uh, it seems like he's just a pathological liar mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I don't think he killed anybody, it seems like. He could have... He definitely influenced a lot of people. He killed Jane Mansfield, bro. You know it's yeah. true. <laughs> you know, he he put that hex on hex her. Hex on her. And you her, know, or actually the hex on... On her road manager, and then and she just died. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, just, you know, caught up in the shrapnel, I That's guess. It. But, uh, you know, so he just seems like a pathological liar. And on the show in the past, when we start ranking people up in the sevens and eights mm-hmm. and nines, you know, they're, they're people that have done a lot of yeah. precarious shit. Mm-hmm. So... To me, it just seems that he had a knack for the theatrics, but mm-hmm. was just a, a, a habitual liar. Yeah. So I'm going to dial it back just a little bit. My pre-asshole score was a 7.0, and I'm going to give Anton LaVey a final asshole score of 6.5. Okay. All right. Randy. All right. So what we learned today, he obviously is a liar. Yes. And he's definitely a showman. You know, in the research I did, that was a big thing people talked about. It was all for show. Right. And like he talked about having the mansions and the boats and all that kind of bullshit. Yeah. But he knew it. He kind of came clean in the end and was like, yeah, I might be full of shit, but my ideas have sparked this whole thing. And that's kind of the issue I have with him mm-hmm. is like all the fucking weird shit you see with like devil worshippers mm-hmm. and the real shit like killing cats and having seances and mm-hmm. like all that shit kind of stemmed from him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, sure. From his creation of the church. Or a bastardization of his. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They took people have created their own version of his fucking weird shit so i'm actually going to stick with my initial score i still got him at a 7.5 yeah yeah you know it fucking started some weird shit he's dead fuck that guy it's all good all right all right i uh i i don't feel bad for the guy but his his whole thing is strange people that lie constantly freak me out i don't understand adult liars are weird they are weird we've discussed you hiding you know what i mean we've discussed this many times on the show you know, when someone lies to cover their own ass, you know, it's not cool, but you understand it. But when somebody lies just for the sake of lying to make themselves seem cooler or whatnot, it's very strange. I think he was a narcissist and uh, somewhat of a sociopath, obviously. He wanted to be something more than he was. And, you know, I, I, largely he was harmless, like in the sense that the idea is that he put forward were bastardized, like we talk about, and that created harm or whatever. Um, and I didn't get much into this, but there was like a break in the church between what was called like the Church of Satan, which was like the Temple of Set, and the people in like the Temple of Set, from what I understand, wanted to do like evil shit and wanted there to be like a real devil and stuff like that. And like I said, his was more like an anarcho-capitalist, like Ayn Rand and fucking goth makeup. Sure. But I certainly think he is, uh, yeah, it's just, it's sort of fucking funny. He's a clown, you know? <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to dial mine back. Yeah, dude, I'm going to have to dial mine back. Uh, he didn't rape anybody that I could find. Didn't kill anybody. You know, he put ideas forward, which people skewed or whatever. I'm going to dial him down to a, uh, I'm going to give him a six, man. Not a good person, but he's also just, he's certainly not the devil I thought he was. Well, then that is perfect, because with a 7.5 from Randy, a 6.5 from Buddy, and a 6.0 from Mikey, Anton LaVey's final asshole score is a 6.6 repeat. (laughs) We did not plan that. I swear (laughs) to Christ, not planned. (laughs) I swear to God that wasn't planned. That's great. I hope I'm not cursed. All right. Well, that's it, guys. All right. Good show. Thanks for listening, and we hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you like what we do, tell people you know to tune in as well. Support is much appreciated. You know where to find us on all your favorite podcast platforms, at AHC Podcast. 
Tune in next week for our next edition of our Fireside Chats. Stay safe out there, and we hope you learned something and got a few laughs out of today's show. Until next time, this is Asshole Court. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to hear more of Asshole Court, find us anywhere you download your favorite podcasts. Give us a good rating on your favorite platform. It really does help. You'll definitely want to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at AHC Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, depending on what you have to say. So, until next time, remember the golden rule, and don't be an asshole, or you might find yourself on Asshole Court.